Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Fertility in Focus podcast. I'm your host, Christina Burns, doctor of Eastern medicine and holistic fertility expert. In these weekly sessions, I'll be bringing you the best of advice on nutrition, lifestyle, and natural medicine to optimize your fertility. Let's jump into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back. Uh, We are getting into some weeds today. Uh, I went kind of deep on this topic, the topic of microplastics. And, you know, what I found was just so scary. And, you know, it's modern lifestyle. We're going to be exposed to things. Our body can handle a lot of things and can detoxify a lot of things. It's just at some point it stops kind of metabolizing and detoxifying things properly when we've given it too much. And, you know, not for nothing, those of you that are going through IVF, it's quite a load on your detoxification systems. Like you're injecting not only hormones, but other substances into your system. And it's a massive load for your liver and digestive system. And, you know, the estrogens build up and, and, you know, so there's got to be some consideration about what you're consuming and the other aspects of your life to accommodate Um, your body doing the best it can with your fertility treatments. Now, if you're trying naturally, there's less of a toxic load on your body via the ART therapies, but you still have to be careful about what you're consuming because we are exposed to a lot of environmental chemicals through our daily lifestyle that's leading to hormonal issues, fertility issues, and Above all, this theme of oxidative stress, the oxidative stress that causes the deterioration of sperm and egg quality and makes it harder for us to reproduce. So let's talk about microplastics and where, you know, you're getting the most exposure to them and how to mitigate that. It's a pretty interesting topic, actually, just because it's so astonishing, um, you know, how much the world has changed in maybe not that long of a period of time. About 6,300 million tons of plastic waste are generated between 1950 and 2015. Most of this waste, about 4,900 million tons, ended up in landfills in the environment. Based on the trends of that period, the researchers estimated that by 2050, the amount of plastic waste in landfills in the environment would reach 12,000 million tons. Plastics are synthetic organic polymers. Their long-term durability, increasing scale of production, unsustainable usage, coupled with the inadequate waste management systems, have led to the accumulation of plastics in ecosystems worldwide. Plastic is the most prevalent type of marine debris found in our ocean and Great Lakes. Plastic debris can come in all shapes and sizes. However, the most important and emerging threat posed by plastic pollution is the breakdown of plastic into smaller pieces called microplastics or MPs. Microplastics are small pieces of plastic, so around five millimeters, are, and they're released into the environment not only as a result of decomposition of large size plastic, but also from day-to-day use of plastic products. And You know, I'm kind of excited to tell you all of the contact points because you're really going to be like, oh my God, I'm taking in so much. Many environmental pollutants can act as endocrine disrupting chemicals, EDCs, uh, mimicking the activity of endogenous steroid hormones and interfering in the endocrine functions with 
several different mechanisms. So, you know, again, especially if you've been doing assisted reproductive technology, or maybe if you have um, estrogen, an estrogen dominant condition like adenomyosis, fibroids, cysts, polycystic ovarian syndrome, endometriosis, or, you know, an inflammatory bacterial, something like endometritis in the lining of your uterus, estrogenic plastics, things that start to mess with estrogen receptor sites and your hormonal balance. You know, obviously, if you have a pre-existing condition, it will be made much worse by the exposure to plastics, these microplastics. In recent years, particular emphasis has been placed on plasticizers like BPA, you know, which is put in a lot of products to like harden the plastic, plastic additives and contaminants of emerging concerns, which includes pharmaceuticals, personal care products, food additives, natural and synthetic hormone, and plastic debris in micro and nano range, among the others that are directly or indirectly discharged into the environment. In this respect, chemicals like phthalates and by bisphenols, poly and perfluorinated alkyl substances, among others, are commonly used for the production of daily goods and therefore released into the environment as waste. In particular, or for example, bisphenol A, which I mentioned BPA, is a plasticizer used for the synthesis of phenol resins, polyesters, epoxy resins, etc. And it's used in the production of drink and food packaging, but also clothes. And in the case of it being exposed to uh, like very acidic substances or, you know, that cause like a, you know, corrosion and leakage into the food or the water, or if it's exposed to higher temperatures, um, like, you know, water bottles sitting in a car or in the back of a truck on the way to their store, or maybe, you know, some of those street stands that sell waters. I'm like just watching them bake in the sun and I'm like, oh, no way am I drinking that. But, you know, there's also washing machines, like, you know, food heating in a microwave, and like leaching into the wastewater. It's basically contaminating our food and beverages, thus becoming a health risk. Plastic particles are also intentionally added to cosmetics like lipstick, lip gloss, eye makeup to improve the feel and finish and to personal care products such as face scrubs, toothpaste, shower gels for cleansing and exfoliating properties. When washed off, these microplastics enter the sewage system. They can end up in sewage sludge from wastewater treatment plants. And then that sludge and water is used to fertilize agricultural lands or even released into our waterways. Awesome. And furthermore, mechanical stress, sunlight, and oxidizing atmosphere decompose large plastics into microplastics making them small and you're not able to see them. And so they're just creeping into basically everything. They're everywhere. Other points that, you know, feel more tangible to you are that you can find microplastics in food substances like salt, branded milk, fish and other seafood, tea from tea bags. According to a recent study, three coffees in disposable paper cups are enough to make us ingest about 75,000 microplastic particles. Uh, the commonly used paper cups have a thin layer of plastic, which 
in contact with hot liquid releases the uh, microplastic. So like the same goes for cans. There's like a thin layer of plastic around the inside of the can. There is that thin line of plastic on the inside of the cup that you get at the coffee shop or the or you get tea kind of thing. And so, you know, I suggest you to bring your own cup, metal, or glass, preferably. Uh, you know, because the, the, basically the, the heating of it is making it really come into your water. The researchers poured boiling water into some shot glasses. After 15 minutes, they proceeded with analyzing the water based on the possible presence of microplastics and additional ions. They observed that about 25,000 micron-sized microplastic particles are released into 100 milliliters of hot liquid. Recently, microplastics have been observed, observed in atmospheric fallout and also in the drinking water and drinking sources. So atmospheric fallout meaning in our air. In fact, probably most of what we're consuming is through breathing and consuming it orally. Uh, in particular, fibers are the dominant shape of microplastics in the atmosphere, and synthetic textiles are the main source of airborne microplastics, which widely contribute in the environment, basically to our atmospheric conditions and human activities. In addition, airborne MPs further contribute to the pollution of the aquatic environment, so our waterway again. So water, air, and then it's getting into our food. So as a consequence, the exposure routes have been expanded from food chain to contaminated food and drinks and inhalation. Emerging evidence revealed the presence of these microplastics in human stools, so our poop, and specimens from our digestive system. And so we know that it's being ingested by humans and that it's showing up in our system. It's uh, in recent years, microplastics have been documented in all parts of the human lung, in maternal and fetal placental tissues, in, in human breast milk, and in human blood. There is a microplastic scientist named Heather Leslie uh, from a university in Amsterdam, and her and her colleagues found microplastics in blood samples of healthy adult volunteers in the Netherlands. So, you know, I tend to be like, oh, I romanticize Europe and, you know, how they have cleaner practices than us. And then I start reading and, you know, it's, it's worldwide. We're affected worldwide. We may have more toxicity in the U.S. in a lot of ways than, than Europe because Europe has a bit more regulation, but it's happening. It's happening everywhere. Evidence is growing that our food and water is contaminated with microplastics. A study in Italy reported in 2020 found that microplastics were appearing in everyday fruits and vegetables. Wheat and lettuce plants have been observed taking up microplastics in the lab. Uptake from soil-containing particles is probably how they get into the produce in the first place. So again, it's like the water getting into the soil and maybe like what's coming out of the air also. Uh, sewage sludge can contain microplastics not only from personal care products, but also from washing machines. One study looked at sludge from wastewater treatment, plant, uh, wastewater treatment plant in southwest England and found that if all the treated sludge produced there was used to fertilize so soils, a volume of microplastics equivalent to what is found in more than 20,000 plastic credit cards could potentially be released into the environment each month. Oh, that's another thing. Like we're like holding our credit card. We're holding plastic. Not to mention that like you go into the grocery store. I don't know, you know what it's like in other countries, but we are, you, you, everything's in plastic. You put your fruit and vegetables in plastic bags, your fruit, like your berries are in a plastic container, packaged uh, snack stuff is coming with a liner in it. Meat, all the meat is in plastic, all of it, you know, vacuum sealed plastic. Uh, so I, 
I don't, I don't even, I don't even know how we get away from this. I think paper, we could store a lot of things in paper and, you know, wouldn't be as efficient. That's the, that's the whole problem is that like the whole, you know, world has gone towards efficiency and in going towards efficiency, we're kind of becoming more and more toxic efficiency through technology, efficiency through plastics. And so we kind of have to go a little bit primitive to try to get away from some of this stuff and simplify Ladies, I have worked for years to put together a guidebook for this crazy fertility journey. It's called the Ultimate Fertility Guidebook. It contains all of my secrets, my hacks, everything to do with herbs, supplements, how to integrate acupuncture into your fertility treatment, how to eat for your cycle, how to eat for IVF, basically everything natural fertility and IVF, how to understand your hormones, how your body works what mindfulness practices to do, how to exercise. Everything is contained within these 300 pages, and it is now available for sale on Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Target, Walmart, and all the other online outlets and in stores. So besides the wastewater and, 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 you know, like our water supply getting into the food, fertilizers are coated with plastic for, for controlled release, So the plastic mulch film is used as a protective layer for crops and water, and it contains microplastics. That's what's used for irrigation. So that's, you know, more more contamination. Agricultural fields in Europe and North America are estimated to receive far higher quantities of, of microplastics than global oceans, and like the global oceans are really contaminated, so that's actually even scarier. Even our livestock, like we're not just talking about fruits and vegetables, even our livestock are capable of absorbing some of the plastic particles from their feed, water, or air, just like us. Of the pork and beef samples collected from farms and supermarkets in a study, 75% showed the presence of microplastics. Microplastic particles are also found in fish muscle, not just the gut. Obviously, we know it's in our drinking water, whether it's tap or bottled. I usually suggest like really good filtration systems, not a Brita, for example, more like a Berkey, even though they're kind of annoying to use, or one that you can get installed that's, uh, you know, that's really effective just to reduce it. Because I feel like water is a main contaminant because we consume a lot of it. Be aware also that once you have your baby, because you're having that baby, the feeding bottles and the toys made of plastics are exposing them to the same microplastics and that high levels of microplastics are found in the feces and blood of babies. And so we don't even know, you know, what effect those are going to be having in the long term. But I, I really dislike that most baby toys and child toys are made of plastic. They do chew on them. They have them all over their hands. You know, you get them, they get them wet in the bath and hot and it's just more and more exposure. Microplastics, so here, like, so we've talked about like all the exposures, right? I wanted you to know like where you're coming in contact with these. Now let's talk a little bit more about the issues, especially as it pertains to your fertility. So microplastics affect the normal functioning of organisms and may cause several organ-specific toxicities, such as neuronal, digestive, reproductive, and developmental toxicity. Now for the purposes of our discussion today, we're more focused on reproductive and developmental toxicity because we're talking about how it affects your reproductive system and then how it could affect your unborn offspring. The major issue with the toxins and other threats to fertility is that they cause inflammation and oxidative stress, as I stated earlier. Oxidative stress induces tissue damage and 
consequent apoptosis. So like death of cells or gamete quality. So poor quality of eggs and sperm, epigenetic changes, and, and some direct in utero exposures to these can really affect the development of your fetus. Reproductive toxicity is defined as exposure to any substance that interferes with the normal functioning of male and female reproductive organs, causing the loss of fertility. The highest concentration of microplastics have reported to decrease sperm cells, motility, viability, and reduce follicle-stimulating hormone, luteinizing hormone, and testosterone levels in men. And that's with as little as like 35 days exposure. Similarly, in women... Um, Follicle development has been affected. Egg quality has been affected. Ma the maturation of eggs, so getting mature eggs out of a cycle or from a natural cycle, seems to be affected. The overall health of the ovaries seems to be greatly affected. But again, you know, we go back to the focus on the egg and sperm quality because that seems to be where most of the research is. And what they've seen is um, this is more in rodent studies. When the mice have been exposed to the microplastics, there have been empty follicles, inflamed ovaries, reduced ovarian reserve. Uh, so we're looking at egg quality issues, egg count issues, and you're going to have way less success with IVF um, with those problems. So in conclusion, my suggestion is to reduce your exposure as much as you can and really just put this into the big picture, okay? If you are bulldozing your body uh, with work, with IVF, with, I don't know, uh, you're putting yourself through a lot in some which way with a modern lifestyle, traveling a lot, you have to come back with some support from another area, you know, like you can't just expect your body to just deal with it all and still produce good results. Maybe that happens for some people, but it doesn't happen for most and it certainly doesn't happen as we age. In fact, like post 30, post 35, like the body is just less forgiving. Um, the detoxification systems slow down. And the more IVF cycles you do, we're also leading to a slowdown in your ability to process um, these chemicals. So when you go to the coffee shop, if you go to the coffee shop, you're using, you're bringing your own cup. This is better for the environment anyway. You know, you are buying products that are non-toxic. Uh, you know, you're buying all the green, clean, bio stuff, right? You're supporting those brands. Um, you're wearing less like plastic polyester stuff and more cotton. Uh, you know, you're just, you're reducing your exposure where you can. And, um, you know, if possible, when you go to the grocery store, if you can, you know, bring your own bags so that you're not using more plastic bags, uh, if you can get, you know, a, a chicken or your meat from the butcher, from the farmer that, you know, don't package their stuff in plastic so that it hasn't been sitting in plastic for, for days, kind of or weeks or months, right? Uh, so just reduce your exposure where you can. You know, the cosmetics also, you know, you're, you're, you're choosing the ones that are, you know, free of BPA and phthalates and, and these other things because, you know, microplastics seem to be, you know, inevitable in in certain ways. Like we can't control what we're going to breathe outside when we go outside. I'm not even sure, you know, these masks that we've been wearing for COVID for these years, like, you know, what kind of microplastics or other things are we inhaling fibers through those, right? Alas, um, we can't control it all, but there are some things we can control. 
So, you know, be mindful of all your choices every day. It's the mindfulness and these small changes that make a big difference in the long run. I'm really happy you've tuned in and joined the community. And I'm so excited to bring you more helpful content with each episode. In order to make this podcast as helpful as possible, I want to hear your input on what questions you need answered to get you feeling empowered on your fertility journey. You can DM me on Instagram at at Naturna underscore life or at naturally CB to share your most important fertility related questions. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please follow and share with friends. My mission is to help as many women and couples as possible. And for that, I need your help. Yours as always in love and light, Dr. Christina.